I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, my money-saving comrades. My name's Graham Clark, and I'm very excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Saving Challenge podcast. Every fortnight, we invite two members of the Money Stepper financial community to discuss their goals, their progress, both their success and failures, and any tips they might have picked up along their journey. This is a podcast made by the Money Stepper Savings Community for the Money Stepper Savings Community to help us all with our own savings challenge so that we can all work together to reach our financial goals and climb up those steps to financial freedom. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This week we're going to bring you our first real episode. Now I hope you enjoyed our introduction episode last week. Today we're going to follow on from that by bringing you a really meaty episode looking at goals. Uh, It's two weeks until the start of the new year and this is typically a time that people start thinking about their annual goals for the following year. Now more often than not they're referred to by people as their new year's resolutions. I personally hate the term New Year's resolution because it has such a negative stigma attached to it. Do you know what day is the most common day of the year that people give up their New Year's resolutions? It's the 10th of January. People usually only manage 10 days when they take on these huge new goals. But the problem when people set their New Year's resolutions is often that they're too vague or they're too lofty or people don't really want to change themselves to achieve the goals. It's rather just they do it because that's something everyone does at the new year. So what should you put in your New Year's resolutions? What should you put, should I say, in your annual goals? Well, we want two of your goals, obviously, to be the ones included in the Money Savings Challenge. But I don't think that should be all of your goals. I don't think we should limit ourselves to just these two goals. Looking back at my goals for last year, in 2014, I actually had 11 of them. Nine of them were finance-related. One was related to fitness which incidentally I failed, the only one I did fail on, and one related to travel. Um, If you want to see those goals or you want to see how I'm doing against those goals, I've I've just updated to the end of November, uh, so you can see how I'm getting on at moneystepper.com if you just go to the goals section. Today I've invited various financial experts from all around the globe to tell us what they think about goals. I've asked them to tell us what goals they're going to set, why they think goal setting is so important in being successful, Uh, some tints and tips on how to stick to goals, how to set goals. But before I hand over to this who's who of the finance world, I I first want to approach a certain topic related to goals myself, and that is the acronym SMART. Now, I'm sure a lot of you would have heard of SMART before or even used it yourself. 
I first came across it about seven or eight years ago when I first set my corporate objectives at my old job as an accountant. I didn't like doing it. I thought it was a it was a bit of a ball ache. Uh, I had to set goals every year. I had to judge myself against these goals, and often they were very vague. It didn't really matter if I achieved against them or not. Nothing really came out of it whether I did. Uh, but it was a long old exercise that we had to complete whilst we were uh, inundated with all other kinds of work at the same time. Now, for those of you who don't know what SMART is um, or what SMART stands for, I'll run down the most common definition of SMART and explain it a little bit more. So the S in SMART is for specific. So that's to target a, a certain area or um, a specific uh, part of your life that you want to improve. Don't let your goals be too overarching or, or focus on too much of a of a wide area. The second, the M, is for measurable. Now, you should be able to track your progress against your goals at any time and therefore they, should, they will be measurable. The third one, the A, it's the most commonly changed one, but most commonly it's, uh, it's for attainable or achievable. So you need to make it so you can believe that you're actually going to achieve your goal. Uh, the R is for realistic, which I've never really seen the difference between attainable and achievable and realistic, but understanding is that you you think that you're able to achieve that in the future. And finally, it's time-bound. Um, so you need to specify a time when you think you're going to be able to achieve your goals. Okay, so that's smart. Let's go through one of the examples. Let's talk about the savings rate in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. Okay. So say for the start of the year, I set my savings rate to be 40% of my net income. Is it specific? Well, yes. The savings rate has been defined as being something very specific. It's my amount of savings uh, that I put towards investments, that I save in cash, that I uh, put into my ISA, uh, that I pay off on the principal on my mortgage or, or on any debt I have. And it's divided by my net income. So it's quite specific. It's quite a certain, well-defined thing. The second is to make it measurable. Um, so I've made it measurable because at any time during the year, I can take those figures and I can work out what my savings rate is at that point in time. So at any time during the year, I can track my progress. It's measurable. Is it attainable? Well, I've set my 40% based on the fact that in the last two years, I've managed to hit 60%. And this year I'm pulling back slightly because I expect my net income to fall because I've recently become self-employed. And so for me, this is a is an attainable target. Is it realistic? As I said, very similar to attainable or achievable. Yes, I think it is. Is it time bound? Yes. The idea is it's an annual goal for 2015. So at the 31st of December 2015, I'll be able to look back and I'll be able to check that my average savings rate for the entire year was above the goal that I set. So what is my problem with SMART? Well, I have quite quite a significant issue with it. And I will explain why through an example. Okay, My example is going to be that in 2015, I don't want to spend any money on space travel. Okay, That's a ridiculous goal to set, isn't it? Clearly, I'm not going to spend any money on space travel in 2015. However, if I compare it against SMART, it's perfect. It's specific, okay? It's, it's money that I'm going to spend on a specific activity, space travel. It's measurable. I can count how much money I've spent on that during the year. It's attainable. 
I've usually spent zero pounds on space travel in the past, so I'm going to be able to. It's realistic. Equally, I'm not going to spend some money on space travel. That's fairly realistic. And it's timely, in 2015. So there's clearly an issue. There's something missing in smart. And it's for me, it's the fact that A and R are effectively the same thing. Attainable and realistic, achievable and realistic, they're the same. So I'm going to leave realistic as it is, and I want to change A to ambitious. And I think this is really, really important to do, because I could set my savings rate for the year at 1%, and I'm going to achieve it, okay? I could say I wanted to improve my net wealth by... In fact, I could say I don't want to have my net wealth decrease by 100%. And it still matches all of SMART, but it's pointless setting it unless we're going to aim for something that is ambitious, okay? It goes back to the old saying, you reach for the moon and you'll land amongst the stars. So stick to SMART. When you're setting your goals for 2004-15, I think you should stick to SMART. But SMART is better as specific, measurable, ambitious, realistic and time-bound. All right then. Well, after three episodes of just listening to my voice, you're probably a little bit fed up of me now. So I'm going to bring on some guests to tell you what they think about goals. So I've asked um, a range of people across the personal finance world to to talk about why they think goals are important, how they set their goals, and any kind of advice or tips they can give give you on goal setting. Our first guest is Pete Matthew. Uh, from the Meaningful Money podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know Pete, he is a, an independent financial advisor based in Cornwall, but he's best known for all of his videos and his podcasts. He's hundreds of videos online now, and he's getting into the hundreds for the podcast soon as well. Pete delivers messages around personal finance in a very personable way, uh, also in a great format. He always it always breaks down subjects into what you need to know and then what you need to do. So it makes it makes Pete's advice very actionable. You can you can take it away and you can actually apply it to your real life, which is great. If you want to hear more from Pete or read more of his stuff, head on over to meaningfulmoney.tv. Hello, Graham, and hello to the Money Stepper community as well. Great to be here. It's Pete Matthew here from the Meaningful Money podcast. Um, I've got to say, what a great idea the 2015 Savings Challenge is. And uh, so kudos to you, Graham, for coming up with the idea and um, sort of explaining it so well. I think that's great. Um, I'm absolutely sold on the benefits of goal setting. It's something I was always a little bit skeptical about, always sounded a little bit zen to me and a little bit sort of Californian business management MBA type stuff. But um, it certainly worked for me. I've only been uh, deliberately setting goals the last uh, two or three years, both at the company level, at my financial planning practice, but also on a personal level. And I try to take time out uh, this time of year, really, towards the end of the year to look ahead um, at at next year. But I've found it really useful also to look back. Uh, It seems a bit daft, really, when you're talking about goal settings, to look back. But um, I think it's important to close off the previous year and and really uh, look at how you've done, not to beat yourself over the head if you haven't achieved everything that you wanted to achieve, um, it's important really not to worry about failure, but as rather than that, to celebrate progress. Give you an example. It's, uh, I'm in the middle of a current goal to lose basically just over four stone 
um, uh, before February 2015. Now, I think I'm not going to make that. I'm two and a half stone lighter than I was when I started, but another stone and a half, you know, in the next sort of eight weeks with Christmas in that time is, let's face it, unlikely, unless I have a, a fairly major bout of amoebic dysentery or something. But, um, you know, it's important to celebrate how far I have come even if I miss the actual goal. I'm not going to beat myself up about that. Uh, And that's part of the process of closing off the previous year, really. And then, of course, looking forward, maybe incorporating some of the things I've not quite achieved yet into this year's goals. Um, Make sure that my goals are obviously realistic, but but will stretch me as well. I think it's really important to just push that little bit further to make a goal exciting um, and stretching as you're thinking about it. So um, I'm sure that the uh, 2015 Savings Challenge is going to be a major success and um, I'm looking forward to being a part of it. So Merry Christmas to everybody and uh, especially to you, Graham. Good job on Money Stepper. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Pete. Merry Christmas to you too. Now, Pete raises some really interesting points there. I guess he's going to be the only person uh, to mention amoebic dysentery uh, in his clips. But the first thing that I really picked up on there was the importance of looking back um, and evaluating how you've done in the past. Now, that's really important to learn lessons from what you've done in the past and also to celebrate your success, as Pete says. But one thing I'd like to add is the importance of looking back in order to set your goals for the future. Now, getting a, the right balance between the A in the new smart of ambitious and the R of realistic can sometimes be quite difficult when you're looking a year in advance, if you're looking at an annual goal, as we are in the challenge. But having a look at your history and seeing how you did last year and the year before and thinking about what kind of events happened in those years which would have impacted your finances, and then trying to think about what events might happen in the future that will impact your finances, will give you a good balance to hopefully set a goal that's in in the right kind of zone for the target. It's it's halfway in between being very ambitious but also being realistic. Another point that Pete raises is how he sets his goals to stretch him. Okay, he makes the stretch goals, which brings us nicely back to what we've said in the introduction there, that goals need to be ambitious, they need to be aspirational, and they need to take you to a place where you you want to be. So thanks Pete for for reiterating my point on on the importance of ambition and how that probably replaces achievable in the original smart. Okay, next up we have Rob Dix. Now, Rob Dix is um, one half of the Property Brothers (laughs) alongside his partner in crime, Rob Bentz. It will take me about the remainder of this podcast to explain all the things that Rob does. But he's one of the founders, along with the other Rob, the two Robs, of the Property Podcast. It's a weekly podcast about everything to do with property in the UK. From that, they then created a website called The Property Hub, which has a good blog. It has forums, mastermind groups, and a whole community of of property investors there. They went on to release the Property Tips podcast. Uh, Between them, they also run a real-life letting agency, Yellow Lettings, where they're trying to improve the uh, the whole industry there. He personally is The Property Geek. Uh, You can find him at thepropertygeek.net where he has a blog as well. He also podcasts uh, interviewing other people around the the property world and the personal finance world. I myself am appearing on the podcast in January. He's released a number of books, a number of really good books that you can find on Amazon. Uh, Him and his wife also, I believe, run a business consultancy practice as well. So you'd think that he'd be a pretty busy man, but 
He also finds the time to be an international globetrotter. He's uh, one of the new digital nomads. I think this message that he sent came from Barcelona in Spain, but whenever you speak to him, he's in a different country somewhere around the world and he's living there for a few months because it took his fancy. So Rob sent in a very quick clip about goals. So over to you, Rob. My tip when it comes to goals is to take whatever it is that you need to do to fulfil that goal and turn it into a habit. Because as soon as something is a habit, it doesn't require any willpower anymore. It just happens. So to give an example, my wife will go for a run every single morning. She will never, ever miss a day, whether that's whether it's snowing outside or torrential rain or whatever. And as a result, it doesn't require any willpower for her. It's just what she does. So to apply this to personal finance, I do something similar in that I track what I spend every single day. I don't have a budget as such. I just like to know what it is that I'm spending. So I've turned it into a habit to every night, the last thing I do before I shut my laptop for the day is to record what I've spent that day. And what again, because it's a habit, it means that it's not a big effort for me to do it. It's just part of my routine. And because I know that at the end of each day, I'm going to be writing down what I spend, even though I don't have any rules for myself, like I'm not going to spend money on buying prepackaged sandwiches or coffee or anything like that, whenever I do get the opportunity to make a spending decision, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I know that I'm going to have to be accountable to myself later that day. And so maybe it does moderate the way I spend a little bit. So forget about willpower. Take whatever it is that you need to do to achieve your goal, turn it into a habit, and before you know it, it'll just be automatic and you'll find it really easy. Thanks, Rob. Brilliant advice there. Habits are so, so important. I myself learnt about the whole 21-day rule about eight or nine months ago of how to how to set a habit and how to make something stick. So if the idea is if you do something every day for 21 days... It will become a habit and as Rob says, you won't have to have willpower because it just becomes the norm. I started getting up at five o'clock every morning because um, I've read in a lot of places that people can be more productive in the mornings and your morning routine is extremely important and that basically successful people get up earlier. So I started trying to get up at five o'clock every morning. Now for the first 21 days and maybe even a little bit longer, maybe the first month, it was absolute hell. I'd find myself at 3pm in the afternoon uh, living off coffee and trying to not fall asleep at my desk. If I ever had a social engagement in the evenings, I would be not particularly approachable, should we say, quite grumpy. But after after the 21 days, it became easier. But now I almost even if I don't set my alarm, I'll wake up at 5 or just after. I don't tend to get more tired during the day because I've got used to it. It's become a habit. And those hours between 5am and 8am, are the most productive I am at any point. I feel like I get as much work as I used to get done the whole day, done in those three hours. There's no distractions, brain switched on, I'm very focused early in the morning and um, forming that habit really has changed my life. How does that relate to savings? Well, first of all, you can set goals uh, to break bad habits. And if you can break those bad habits and replace them with a new habit, that's very important. Um, it's very difficult to just to break a habit unless it's replaced with someone at something else you see people who quit smoking chewing a lot of um, a lot of gum for instance rob also talks about how he tracks his spending now that's absolutely integral for the challenge um, and it's all about measurability and something that we really focus on throughout the challenge 
to be able to understand what our income and expenses are each month, we need to record our daily spending. And that then allows us to work out what our savings rate is for the for the month. The other thing that Rob mentions that he highlights is that he has to be accountable to himself if he tracks his expenses. Now, accountability is one of the other two pillars, which really the challenge is based on measurability and accountability. In the FAQs and in the introduction we podcasts in the last couple of weeks, we've discussed how important accountability is. But if you can form a habit and at the same time that habit encompasses some form of accountability, then it's much more likely you'll stick to it and that you'll reach your goals in the end. So thanks for that, Rob. Uh, Next up, we're flying across the pond to sunny Los Angeles, where we have Tonya, who runs Budget and the Beach. While she delivers very, very useful messages on personal finance through her blog, including an excellent new video series, um, which you can find over on her site, she makes me jealous almost daily on her updates about playing volleyball and running on the beach and how she stays fit and active in sunny L.A., I've just moved back from the south of France in September. That used to be part of my weekly routine to play volleyball on the beach, but it's slightly less appealing on the cold and windy shores of of the northeast of England. So let's hear what Tanya's got to say about goals. Hi, this is Tanya from Budget on the Beach, and uh, Graham wanted me to talk about some of the ways that I set goals. So last year, basically what I do in January is I have a bunch of big year-long goals that I want to tackle, and they are divided up into financial and personal and other things um, that I like to try. Um, And then what I do is each month I break those big goals down into little mini goals that I can achieve that month so they don't seem too daunting. Last year, one of my big goals was to learn to play the ukulele, and I actually did that. So next year, my goal is to keep learning the ukulele, and I would actually like to perform it on stage um, at some point during the year and uh, to see if I can kind of overcome my fear of singing and playing on stage. So that's kind of what I have in store for 2015. Cool. Um, I really hope regarding the ukulele that I'm in the crowd when you're you're playing that on stage next year, Tonya. Um, Tonya raised a really good point there about turning annual goals and making them even more achievable by, by setting mini goals that help you along the way to those annual goals. Obviously, with the challenge, we have the two goals, uh, the increase in the net wealth percentage and the savings rate percentage, which are annual goals for the challenge. But we're going to split that into smaller monthly goals just by dividing by 12 each month. And we will be looking at our progress against our goals along the way each month. So that will help it become more manageable for us. Um, But also I would recommend, as I said right at the start of this podcast, to set your own mini goals. Okay, So an increase in the net wealth doesn't just happen. You have to do things in your life. You have to make these positive short-term financial decisions in order to have an increase in your net wealth. So you want to build some mini goals, monthly goals, um, which will help you reach those longer-term goals. Now, they might be to cut out spending in certain, certain areas. So say you have a big problem in your budget with how much you spend on eating out, then you might set a mini goal for January to only eat out once or to not eat out at all during that month. Equally, you may not be um, 
doing the right things with your investment. So you might set a mini goal to put more money into your stocks and shares ISA in that month or throughout the year, which actually in turn will help you with both your savings rate percentage and with your net wealth in the future. So don't get daunted by the the size of these these yearly goals. Let's split them down into smaller monthly chunks. Let's build other supplementary goals to them that can help us achieve them. And I think we'll all we'll all be able to reach our annual goals much more easily. So a big thank you to Tonya. And next up, we have Alicia from Financial Diffraction. Uh, Alicia, on her blog, records her journey out of debt. So anyone in who's currently in debt may want to head over to financialdiffraction.com to get some inspiration. Uh, as the title suggests, Alicia is, is a scientist as the diffraction part comes in, a certain Dr. Alicia. But she found herself in $33,000 worth of consumer debt after finishing her PhD and a few years in employment. Uh, She's currently paying that off, and so we've asked her to come and talk about the importance of goals on that financial journey to pay off her debt. Hi there, my name is Alicia, and I'm the owner and writer behind FinancialDiffraction.com. I recently joined the 2015 Money Stepper Savings Challenge after Graham thought I might be interested in participating. To give you a bit of my background, I was in graduate school until I was 27. So after completing my PhD, I realized I was in a pretty big hole financially. I had $33,000 between a student line of credit, credit card debt, and a personal loan to family. It wasn't pretty, to say the least. With my academic background, I was used to always working towards something that had a finite end date. There was always a tangible payoff at the end, which made me fairly goal-oriented, even though it hadn't previously extended to my finances. After finishing my degree in 2013 and then floundering for the rest of the year, it made me realize how much I had to learn. So after having a full year of active debt repayment and net worth growth in 2014, I now have a proven track record. I have paid down over $20,000 in debt and have been growing my retirement savings as well. With finances, I find that the time horizon can be so long, especially for someone my age, I'm currently 29, that it's hard to stay motivated. I've started to break my goals into achievable chunks, like a year, where it's long enough that you can still see progress. I have already uh, set a few goals on my blog before I was contacted to be part of the Money Stepper Challenge. I wanted to be debt-free, have $10,000 in an emergency fund, and $15,000 in retirement savings all by 30, which is a self-imposed deadline of November 2015. I put my goals on my blog to keep me accountable. My blog and my readers having to answer to them has has made all the difference to me reaching my goals. Well, first of all, Alicia, well done. $20,000 of debt repaid in the last year. That's pretty impressive by anyone's standards. Alicia raises some, some really interesting points there. First of all, I'd like to pick up on the tangible payoff that she speaks about. Now, this is so important with goals because she makes a comparison to her PhD into studying where you're aiming, your goal is to achieve um, either your bachelor's degree or certain grades um, at school when you're taking the thing. So you're you're striving towards a certain goal and when you reach there you can define whether you've been successful or not uh, based on what your original goal was. Um, so if you think back to your A-levels, if you were trying to get 
two B's at A level to get into a certain university. If you did that, success. If not, then not successful this time and you can work out where to work on that in the future. However, we don't really often think about that in our finances and that's where these goals are so important and in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, uh, we try and define these goals so at the end of the year you can look back and say, was 2015 a success for me financially? Another important point she raises is how you break goals down into smaller chunks, as we spoke about before, and again she alludes to the importance of accountability. Uh, It's truly integral to this challenge and she said how putting her results on her website made her accountable but hopefully having the Money Stepper Savings Challenge community there holds you accountable to more people who who are similarly driven to the same goals as you're achieving. Having that group there, having that community there uh, to hold you accountable will be absolutely integral to your success in 2015. So three to go. Next up we have Derek from lifeandmyfinances.com. He had a similar starting point to Alicia, but Derek is a little bit further along the path to financial freedom now. He started his journey um, $18,000 in debt but has since paid off all that and in 2014 he paid off the $54,500 left on his mortgage. So you can see he's been quite successful in his his financial goals in the past couple of years. So let's hear from what he's got to say about goals. I wanted to make sure that I had control over where I was going to go. Obviously it wasn't always going to happen the way that I planned but if I at least have a goal then I can figure out what can I do in order to get there. If I don't get there, what else can I do in order to hopefully get me to that point? So if you don't have a goal, what I've heard is you hit that with amazing accuracy because you you have nothing that you're driving toward. So wherever you end up, that's where you plan on going because you had no goal to begin with. If I wanted to achieve something in life, I needed to have a goal set before me in order to achieve what I wanted to do. Absolutely, Derek. And he's gone big picture here, isn't he? Um, As we've said before, if you don't set a goal, you can't define success. It's a really strange concept, but a success is is essentially abstract if you don't set a goal in the first place. Um, I've used this example before, but if you're trying to lose weight next year... If you don't have a goal for how much weight you're going to lose, then you don't know if you've succeeded. You might lose 0.1 grams of weight. Uh, You probably wouldn't think that was a success, but maybe it is. Equally, you might have lost 10 stone, but if you're trying to only use 3 stone, then maybe that's not a success because now you're ill and heavily underweight. So having these, these predefined goals are so important to help you understand if you're actually successful or not. And this is what we're trying to achieve with the challenge. We're trying to say, financially, this is where we want to be in the long term. And hence, I need to achieve a certain amount of growth in the next year. So if I can try and achieve that growth in the next year, an ambitious level, then if I reach that point by December 31st, 2015, I can say I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in that year and I have been successful. And next up, we have Emily from simplecheapmum.com. 
M-O-M. It's an American website, so it's uh, mom in, in the American spelling rather than the English way. Um, but Emily is uh, a self-professed weirdo <laughs> on her about page on that site. It's a personal finance blog, but it explains her life and it goes into some detail about her, some of the things she does and some of the decisions she makes financially, which uh, other people wouldn't necessarily do, and uh, explains them and explains why they're helpful for her in the long term. Uh, for instance, she doesn't have a car, which most Americans would find absolutely insane. Uh, instead of getting an engagement ring, she got an engagement cat. Um, so it's these kind of things that make a uh, simple, cheap mum such an entertaining website. Uh, to read. But again, we invited Emily here to talk about the importance of goals. So over to you, Emily. Goals are important because they give you a reason to stick to your budget. If people weren't dreaming and setting goals for where they'd like to end up, I doubt anyone would be motivated to cut costs or put in extra hours at work. Personally, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't set goals for myself. When I was looking for more meaning for my work, I was able to simplify my life and leave my nine to five job to start my own business. And when we had our daughter, we wanted one of us to stay at home with her. Having that goal motivated us to simplify our lives even more to become a single-income family. The savings challenge is a fantastic idea because it makes you accountable for your goals. If you're not where you want to be, you won't be able to hide it from anyone. Now, we like to say that we live on half of a single income. So for this challenge, we're putting it on the line and we've set a goal to save 50% of our income. Excellent goal to set, Emily. Uh, 50% of your income certainly much higher than the the industry standard of pay yourself 10% first. And I hope a lot of people have these kind of aspirational goals to save, save a lot of their income. Um, I hope you understand the importance of the goals in Emily's life there. She was able to leave the 9 to 5 grind, she was able to become a single income family, all because she set these goals and she she held herself accountable to those goals. Um, again, she ra- she raises the importance of accountability. Uh, without sounding menacing, she said that in the challenge you won't be able to hide. And that's a good thing. If you can't um, hide these things away, if you've got to be open about it, you'll find that instead of making the wrong decision and hiding it, you'll start making the right decisions. Next up we have Joseph Hogue. He's going to give us our last little clip on the importance of goals. Um, invited Joseph, he runs peerloansonline.com. Now that's something we're quite interested in here at Money Stepper. Uh, we've done our own little experiment. You can search that on moneystepper.com and it's also included in the show notes uh, around peer-to-peer lending with Funding Circle here in the UK. And we're returning around 6% at the minute, so that's quite positive. Um, but on his site, peerloansonline.com, Joseph's created kind of a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about peer-to-peer and peer-to-business lending, uh, what kind of returns you can receive, what your options are, uh, all the information you need about tax impacts and any kind of news coming up in the industry. So um, again, we invited Joseph along to, to tell us what he thinks about goals. Thanks, Graham. Great to be here. You know, when I saw the 2015 Savings Challenge and got your email to be part of the podcast, I got so excited. I had a ton of things going through my head, but I had to completely change out my responses after listening to your first podcast. Some great ideas there. I can totally relate, and I think everybody needs to needs to listen to that first podcast. As far as goals, I love setting goals. I'm a very driven, type A kind of person. I like challenging myself and achieving those goals. 
But there's an important aspect of goals that people like me overlook, and we end up doing more harm than good. You see, for the longest time, I would constantly be setting high goals of saving an investment. I'd bust my butt to achieve them, and then I'd set the bar higher, and this would just keep on going nonstop. Well, what would happen is I would burn out. I'd push myself so hard working two, sometimes three jobs, and saving everything that I could, and then I'd crash once or twice a year. I'd quit one of my side jobs, I'd go on an extravagant vacation and spend half, maybe more, of the progress I've made. It's really the financial equivalent of yo-yo dieting, and it's just as dangerous. I was a financial manic depressive, and I needed an intervention. So that's when I talked to some friends and family. I talked to them about my goals, about my expectations for meeting them, and, and the traps I always fell into. And that's why really the, the savings challenge idea is so important, because talking with other people about your goals and enlisting others is a great way to stick to those goals and realistically work towards them, not losing your motivation after a few weeks and not going too hard and too fast and burning out. You know, if you can't talk to somebody that's close to you, somebody in person, then make some of those personal connections on the challenge. Talk to people about your financial personality and how you've hit a wall in the past. And you know, it couldn't come at a better time. I saw an interesting statistic the other day. Of course, as a, a numbers nerd, pretty much all stats are interesting to me. But one in two people will make New Year's resolutions this year. But only 8% of the people that make them will achieve those resolutions. Most are going to drop those resolutions within the first month or two. So it's so important to make those goals, set a realistic plan for achieving those goals, not going too fast where you burn out, and not going too slow where you, you never achieve them. Talk to people on the savings challenge, meet your goals, and be financially better off for it. Thank you. I appreciate the time for uh, to be here. And we appreciate your contribution, Joseph. Thank you. Um, Joseph raises again some some vital points to goal setting and I found myself in that position in the past where you just have a never-ending cycle of more goals um, and you, f you attempt furiously to achieve these goals and quickly move on to the next goal without ever thinking about it. There's two ways I found to resolve that. First of all is celebrate your successes. Take the time out to say, okay, I have completed this goal. And this is where accountability, again, is very important because if you have no one to share those those goals with and no one who knows what you're trying to achieve, then who do you celebrate that with? You just sit by yourself and say, yeah, I've achieved the goal. Well done, me. Next one. Whereas if you're in this challenge or you're accountable to other people, you can take the time to understand how far you've come, see how much of a success you are, and you get feedback from those other people on how well you've done to, to achieve your goals. Now, Joseph, I'm exactly the same with stats. As a, uh, as a mathematician, I'm an absolute geek when it comes to these kinds of things. But that's absolutely incredible. Only 8% of people achieve their New Year's resolutions. That's not what we want from this challenge. This isn't a New Year's resolution. This is a community working together towards an annual goal or towards two annual goals. I don't want an 8% success rate here. I want a 98% success rate, at least. Well, thanks, Joseph. Thanks to all the other guests. I hope you found that useful and how their contributions have given you uh, some new information. I really hope that between myself and between these seven guests, we've given you some ideas about goal setting. We've helped uh, clarify some things on how you set goals and how you stick to goals. And 
most importantly, that we've maybe inspired you to set ambitious and aspirational long-term goals that will improve your future, both financially and otherwise. A lot of the guests, uh, unscripted, I didn't ask them to mention the money savings challenge, I only mentioned, asked them to talk about goals, um, have highlighted how they think that the challenge can really help them progress throughout the year and to achieve their long-term financial goals. Um, and I hope that you'll come along for the ride as well. As ever, head on over to moneystepper.com, have a look in the uh, savings challenge section. It's in capital letters in the header. You can't really miss it. Become part of the community we've got building here. Still with a couple of weeks to go and it's really starting to build. We're getting some good communication between me and other people and at the start of January, I'll open that up to the group and we'll all have a a nice big shared community where we're going to we're going to succeed together. As we've said so many times in this podcast, if you don't set goals, you can't succeed. And if you don't hold yourself accountable to other people, then celebrating those goals and the successes against those goals alone uh, isn't much fun. And as ever, keep on climbing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.